Proverbs, chapter 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. As always, my name is Josh Grizzle, and I will be your host and your guide into the world of the cryptid, the creepy, and the paranormal. Um, I'd like to start off this episode just by saying thank you to everyone who listened to um, our inaugural episode a couple weeks ago, my, my hometown cryptid. Um, I, I really appreciate the feedback that you've given me, um, and I did want to mention too, you probably notice a difference in audio quality. I do have a new microphone um, that sounds a lot better than the standard microphone that I was using. Um, so I really hope y'all enjoy that. Um, again, get, please be sure to leave a review, whether it's good or bad, indifferent, whatever. I want, I want your feedback. I want to know what I can do better, and I want to know what y'all want to hear, what y'all want to enjoy. So to start off this week, I know last week I had mentioned a doing a trucker episode. Um, that is still in the works. I'm working on gathering some stories because I want to make sure that because there's a lot of creepy pastas, and you have to be careful when you're gathering these types, this type of information because you want to make sure that you're getting real stories and not just made up creepypastas that are meant to be creepy but didn't actually happen. So the stories that I have for you today are supposedly true. I do my best to try and make sure that the ones I'm finding is true. Obviously there is always that element of it's on the internet. You never know what you could find um, could possibly be made up. But you know, I, I like to believe that people generally are truthful so we're going off of the assumption that these are true stories here so uh, last week was a unintentional theme of bigfoot um because that's kind of like my in my hometown that's really the only cryptid sighting that i know of in my hometown there might be more i'm going to look in on that and if there are more i'll definitely bring it into a future episode so i really wanted to pick a creature that is there's differing accounts as to whether it's a cryptid or just like an evil spirit. Um, some say that there's two different types. They're both kind of same, but one is animal, one's a spirit. Um, but either way, this week what we're going to be talking about is a wendigo. Um, if you don't know what a wendigo is, it is an old Native American uh, legend. Majority of the stories, what it is, is like a, a spirit that's it's unsettled. It's, it's similar to a zombie um, it's very, like, gaunt and lanky, and it's got pale skin, big old teeth. Um, modern interpretations of it, that almost got, has, like, a deer skull as a head. Um, but typically what they look like is what you would kind of associate with, like, a zombie-type deal. Some reports have it as long white hair, although some would say that that is not necessarily a wendigo. It's just a cousin of the... Uh, Sasquatch that's being mistaken for a Wendigo, so that's possible as well. Um, the best example I can think, if you have played the game Until Dawn, um, the creature in that game that is killing everyone is a Wendigo. Um, and the creature in Until Dawn, that's kind of more the traditional Wendigo look to it. So let's get into first story that I want to read. 
is actually it's an old adaptation of a, the original Algonquin uh, myth of the Wendigo. Uh, the Algonquin Indians, um, which are kind of like in Canada, um, kind of in Midwest, like northern parts of the U.S., um, is where kind of where the Algonquin tribe was, and that's where this. Um, the stories of this cryptid originated from. Um, so I just want to start off by reading all this first um, story, which this one is, I'm sure I'm almost certain that this one's made up, but I feel like it's good to start with the one of the original stories um, of the uh, Wendigo. So without further ado, let's get right into it. The storm lasted so long that they thought they would starve. Finally, when the wind and swirling snow had died away to just a memory, the father, who was a brave warrior, ventured outside. The next storm was already on the horizon, but if food was not found soon, the family would starve. Keeping his knife and spear close, he ventured out upon the most frequently used game trail, watching intently for some sign in the newly fallen snow of animal footprints or movement of any kind. The forest lay deep and oddly silent under its gleaming coating of ice and snow. Every creature of sense lay deep within its burrow and slept. Still the warrior hunted, knowing how desperate his family had become. As he moved through the eerie stillness, broken only by the soft caress of the wind, he heard a strange hissing noise. It came from everywhere, yet nowhere at once. The warrior stopped, his heart pounding. That was when he saw the blood-soaked footprints appearing on the path in front of him. He gripped his knife tightly, knowing that somewhere watching him was a wendigo. He learned about the wendigo at his father's knee. It was a large creature, as tall as a tree, with a lipless mouth and jagged teeth. Its breath was a strange hiss, its footprints full of blood, and it ate any man, woman, or child who ventured into its territory. And those were the lucky ones. Sometimes the Wendigo chose to possess a person instead, and then the luckless individual became a Wendigo himself, hunting down those he had once loved and feasting upon their flesh. The warrior knew he would have just one chance to prevail over the Wendigo. After that, he would die. Or, the thought was too terrible to comprehend. Slowly, he backed away from the bloody footprints, listening to the hissing sound. Was it stronger in one direction? He gripped the spear in one hand, knife in the other. Then the snowbank to his left erupted as a creature as tall as a tree leapt out at him. He dove to one side, rolling into the snow so that his clothing was covered and became hard to see in the gray twilight of the approaching storm. The Wendigo whirled its massive frame and the warrior threw the spear. It struck the creature's chest, but the Wendigo just shook it off as if it were a toy. The warrior crouched behind a small tree as the creature searched the torn-up snow for a trace of him. Perhaps one more chance. The Wendigo loomed over his hiding place, its sharp eyes seeing the outline of him against the tree. It bent down, long arms reaching. The warrior leapt forward as if to embrace the creature and thrust his knife into its fathomless black eye. The Wendigo howled in pain as the blade of the knife sliced into its brain cavity. It tried to pull him off of its chest, but the warrior clung to the creature, stabbing it again and again in the eyes, the head. The Wendigo collapsed to the ground, bleeding profusely, almost crushing the warrior beneath its bulk. He pulled himself loose and stared at the creature, 
which blended in with its white surroundings so well that he would not have seen it save for the blood pouring from its eyes and ears and scalp. Then the outline of the creature grew misty and it vanished, leaving only a pool of blood to indicate where it had fallen. Shaken, the warrior, heart pounding with fear and fatigue, turned for home. He was weakened by lack of food, but knew that the storm would break soon and he would die if he did not seek shelter. At the edge of the wood, he found himself face to face with a red fox. It was a fat old creature, its muzzle lined with gray. The creature stood still as if it had been brought to him as a reward for killing the Wendigo. With a prayer of thanksgiving, the warrior killed the fox and took it home to his starving family. The meat lasted for many days until the final storm had blown itself out and the warrior could safely hunt once more. So one thing that um, is really interesting about the um, Native American culture and the stories uh, surrounding this Wendigo is there were actually Wendigo hunters um, that they were Native American Indians that were that really their job and they they were sent out to hunt and kill Wendigos. So the most famous of the Wendigo hunters was actually a man named Jack Fiddler. So he lived at the um, kind of end of the 1800s, uh, beginning to the early 1900s, um, and he has claims to have killed at least 14 uh, Wendigos uh, in his you know, during his life, and he actually, in the early 1900s, around 1907, um, was uh, tried for killing a woman, um, and he admitted to it, he said, yes, I did kill her, but it's because she was going to turn into a Wendigo. You know, it was a very deeply held belief, so I really, like, if you're, if it is something like that, where you are, they were willing to kill someone to keep them from turning into a wendigo it really makes you wonder like okay it sounds like there's some truth to this because you know it's and it's such a deeply held belief and such a wide held belief that you know it would um to me it makes sense that something like that would be true you know or at the very least thought to be true by those cultures because of how they react to it. So now I, what I want to do, I want to move on to, I have a couple more um, stories for you. So I want to move on to one that is a little more, um, a little more of a, a modern story. This was uh, found on um, the Wendigo subreddit um, that are supposedly true. Um, they claim to be true um, of actual Wendigo sightings. Um, so this one was submitted by a Reddit user by the name of Corporal Jack Hallows, USMC. This is a story that he submitted. So I've never encountered a Wendigo, but when I was staying out in Arizona with a friend, I heard some very, very strange sounds in the desert. My friend couldn't hear them, but I clearly heard what sounded like a child crying or squealing. I went out to the back patio of the trailer we were in and listened hard and it creeped me out infinitely when I could still hear the sounds exactly the same, never changing pitch or cadence. My friend, even standing right where my feet were planted, still could not hear the sounds. I thought I was going nuts. The next day I related my experience to G, an older relative of my friend, who related to me an encounter he had almost 30 years before that day. G told me about how he lived on the outskirts of a reservation where people had gone missing in alarming amounts. 
No mass disappearances at one time, but a steady increase in missing persons reports that left tribal law enforcement and local law enforcement at odds with one another and very suspicious that a serial killer may be on the loose. During a joint investigation, both law agencies went house to house, interviewing residents close to where most of the people were last seen, asking them what kind of information they could provide. When they got to where G was staying, they were asking questions about strange sounds and sightings in the mountainous area directly next to the reservation. G thought it was odd, but informed them that once in a while, he'd hear a child crying out near the entrance to the mountain trail and go out in his truck looking to see if anyone was lost. He never saw any people, but noted that the usually buzzing surroundings were so still that it unnerved him. Uh, one night in particular, G said he saw what looked like a sick stag in the woods not far up the path, leading to the start of the mountain trail. He said it was pale, with visible antlers, and it looked like it was laying down on its front hooves and struggling to get up. G explained that he stepped out of his truck with his flashlight, turned to grab his rifle, and by the time he looked back up the trail, the stag was gone. It was at this point where a stench so foul overtook him that his eyes stung, and he involuntarily gagged and had to hold back his dinner. He described it as an earthy, sticky, palpable musk smell that had a sweet after stench to it. He also said it smelled like rotted meat and copper. He was immediately beset with a feeling of mortal dread and had to contain his panic as he jumped back into his truck. He said as he was backing up to leave the narrow trail, he heard, clear as day, almost as if it was right in the truck with him, a child's cry. Only this close, it sounded more like a powerful wail that was impossible for a child to emit. He hightailed it out of there and was in the process of looking for a new place to live. He said he had trouble sleeping for a while after that night, due to constant nightmares of things banging on his windows. After he told the police this account, he said the two officers looked at one another, shared some kind of nonverbal interaction, thanked him for his time, and asked him to call the station instantly if he heard any strange sounds or saw anything. Before they left, he said he asked them how many other people reported seeing or hearing something similar to what he just told them. They responded that at least one person from each house they visited reported hearing children crying in the night, with other residents of the same household claiming to never have heard or seen anything unusual. They also said that at least one other person they interviewed had seen a pale-looking creature on the mountain, which they thought was a big cat of some sort. What impacted G the most, though, was when one of the tribal officers told him that, while interviewing the family of a missing person, they related that in the weeks leading up to their child's disappearance, their child had been suffering from nightmares of a quote, demon deer outside of their window and drew many pictures of what it looked like. G asked if they had the pictures and the officer produced a Polaroid taken of the drawing. It looked almost exactly like what he'd seen that night on the mountain trail. Pale, skinny, big antlers, except this drawing had features he was fortunate to not have seen in person huge red eyes, sharp bloody teeth and claws, and a black hole next to it with arms sticking out of it. G moved two days after this. After G finished telling me that story, he laughed heartily, probably at the horrified expression on my face. He said, don't worry, as long as you don't follow the cries, you'll be alright. And I've never forgotten that story. Now I admit that G could very well have been pranking me, because he was a jokester. But no one else in the home seemed to be amused when he told me the story, and his demeanor was very serious. I believe that he experienced what he related because I heard the cries in the night for myself, clear as crystal, while my friend heard nothing, even while I was actively listening to the wailing of a crying child. 
So this story, that's this is more in line with the more uh, modern uh, claims of seeing a Wendigo. The, the more modern version is that creature with the deer's head and the rotted flesh. Um, and it is said that after seeing the creature, um, and this, like, like was mentioned in the story, there's a foul-smelling stench, um, basically like rotted flesh. That's essentially the smell of the creature. Um, this one also seems to be going more in line with the, um, the theory that it's a spirit creature instead of an actual cryptid. Um, but that really could be going either way. Um, now, as far as the, the crying, you know, to me that sounds like that could possibly be like a coyote um, or other some other sort of creature like that. But obviously, I can't say for sure. And I feel like people that live in that area and have lived in that area their whole lives would know the difference between a coyote crying and like the sound of a child. Because a coyote, you know, it's or whatever other creature, you know, it's it's the same sound generally, unless there's one that's sick. So I imagine that they would be able to tell, you know, hey, oh, this is a coyote, or this is a child. Either way, it's definitely, definitely, definitely creepy, um, and not something that I would want to come across in person. Um, even coyotes at night. I don't know if you've ever heard coyotes, but I used to live um, for a few months, I lived out in the woods with my grandmother, and um, there were coyotes all over the place. And they wouldn't really come towards the house, but if you would go outside late at night around 10, 30, 11 o'clock, um, when it was dark, you could hear just the coyotes howling, and they're all around you, and some of them sound like they get pretty close. Um, so it's, it's definitely kind of an unnerving experience if it's something that you're not used to. I ended up getting used to it, but... You know, when I first moved out there, it was definitely scary. So, um, definitely an experience that I would not uh, want to have happen to me. Um, so, real quick, before we get into our final story of the evening, and I did just want to give y'all an update. Um, so, I put out a call on my Facebook page, um, basically, for anyone who has a paranormal story that they would like to share, um, you know, to reach out to me. So I have a friend who has a pretty interesting story that, that he's going to be sharing with me. Um, and that should be on next week's episode. I'm planning, I'm planning on recording that interview, talking with him. And, um, I'll also throw in a couple more stories to kind of fill out the episode. But while I'm mentioning that, I did want to let you know, I, I do have an email address. Um, this cryptidchaserspodcast at gmail.com. If you have any paranormal stories or any um, creatures that you can't explain or anything that you've seen that you just can't explain, um, please shoot me an email, reach out to me. I would love to share your story um, in the podcast, um, and I will leave that uh, email address in the show notes below as well. So please, if, again, if you have anything, just shoot me an email and uh, let me know so I can reach back out to you and we can talk about it. Because um, I'm always looking for stories, and I love to hear first-hand accounts um, or even second-hand accounts from an actual person um, instead of finding it online. I, th I think it's much more cooler to actually talk to a person that's had this experience. Um, so I would, I would love to speak with you. 
let's just jump right in. So this is our final story of the evening. Uh, this was, again, this was on the same subreddit as the r slash Wendigo subreddit. Um, this was submitted by uh, the user named Nodobird. Um, and so this is their story. I woke up one morning to the sound of my open screen window being scratched at, coupled with heavy, raspy breathing. I turned over on my stomach and looked out the window from over my bed. The window was right behind my head when I slept. What I saw in my window was an incredibly pale and thin humanoid being. I couldn't make out a nose or ears, but the eyes were the most captivating because they were shining and looking around my room. I could have sworn they glowed a slight blue color. But that's cliche, and I know that animals' eyes can't really do that. It had thin lips, if you can even call them lips, and a very long, bone-thin arm with long fingers that were lightly and periodically scratching the screen. Not like it was trying to tear through it, but that it was just making a noise. I don't think it ever saw me, or I didn't see it notice me, but I sprang out of bed after I got a look at it and hid shaking on my couch until morning. A few months later that summer, I went camping. Now, right before everyone got into their tents, everyone froze stiff when a long, echoing scream rang through the forest. Nobody could tell how close it sounded, and it sounded like a mix between a person, couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman, mixed with an animal. It was like two or more voices were blended together into the same pitch, a kind of Frankenstein scream. I know some people might tell me, well, maybe it was a fox or a mountain lion or something. I, I wanted it to be and I was camping with some very experienced woodsy guys, and they told me that it wasn't like anything they'd ever heard before. Even then, I looked up what foxes and cougars sound like when they scream as soon as I could, and they sound distinctly canine and feline. If I heard them now, I would immediately be able to tell, and I recall that it sounded nothing like them. Everyone got into their tents anyway, and tried to sleep. That night, apparently, as my dad told me in the morning, he went with me, he woke up in the middle of the night to something really tall scratching at the side of our big boxy family tent. He saw long-fingered impressions being made on the nylon that slowly slid down the side, slow and deliberate. He said that he laid still and watched it, and then it stopped and moved away to other tents. He heard scratching at other tents too. Even though I didn't see this, I can't shake the feeling that it was the same weird thing from the months before. That is either followed me somehow, or there's multiple of them. I, I can't decide which option scares me the most. I also had that scream to go off of, and I swear it's the most haunting and unearthly thing I've ever heard. I don't even live anywhere with huge forests nearby. I live in central Illinois, in a neighborhood a good drive away from deep woods. I don't know what that thing was, or why it was in my window, or what it wanted, but I saw it. You don't have to believe me. I don't expect anyone to. I'm only sharing my story. And he goes on to say um, that the window in question behind his bed is a good three feet off the ground, and it was hunched over. You know, if it stood tall, it would be about seven to eight feet. So this story gets to me because I love camping. Camping is a lot of fun for me. Um, I really enjoy being out in the woods. I enjoy going out hunting, um, things like that. And you really, you really don't know what's out there, because um, these woods are massive, and creatures like this, um, whether it be a Wendigo, Bigfoot, um, Black Panthers, which everyone thought was a cryptid until they actually found them, 
you know, forests, these forests are so massive, they can hide if they want to. If they're as smart as the stories that are told about them suggest that they are, they could hide no problem, especially if there's not, you know, thousands of them. If they're, if they're a small population, they could easily find a small spot to hunker down, and we wouldn't be able to find them. You know, we may find them eventually, but it would take a long time, and if they're really smart and they keep moving around, it could take even longer. Um, so you really don't know what is in the woods. You know, I've always felt safe in the woods, and when you really think about it, it's it's helpful to have a healthy fear of woods because it's, it's that fear of the unknown, kind of like a healthy fear of the ocean. I love the ocean, but there's still sharks and jellyfish and stuff like that in the ocean and I, that I don't want to mess with. Um, so I still have that healthy fear of it. Same thing goes uh, for the woods as well. So again, thank you guys so much for um, joining us tonight. And again, it's the second episode, and I really look forward to y'all hearing it. Again, please leave a review, good, bad, and different. I want to know what you think. Um, remember the link to my email will be in the show notes so if you have a story that you would like to share please email me i would love to hear from you and i would love to share your story um even if you would like to do it anonymously anonymously that's okay too i'd still love to have those stories um so again thank you for listening and i will see you guys next week i hope you have a great week and uh, stay creepy